Well, like I said, we are starting a new series uh, this morning called Pursuing Jesus, and we're going to look at our five pursuits here at Flourishing Grace, five things that we pursue as a church. And so um, we did, a, uh, we did a, a little bit of diving into this last spring, I believe, and so I'm excited about this because if, maybe if you're new, there's been a lot of people here who are, who are new from last spring, you get to experience this, but also it's, it's just a good refresher as we go into the next year of seeing these are the things as flourishing grace that God has called us to pursue. Um, and so uh, this morning, if you have a Bible, go ahead and pull that out. If not, there's a Bible underneath your seat in front of you. You can grab one of, the, uh, one of those. And we are going to be in Psalm uh, chapter 19, Psalm 19, verse 103. Psalm 119. Did I say 19? Sorry. Dang it. Psalm 119. Psalm 119. I just joked with all the student leaders that I was going to say the wrong reference. That's actually funny. Um, Anyway, sorry. Psalm 119, verse 103. And uh, once you get there, if you're able, if you could stand with me as I read God's word. This is God's word given to us, and so in honor and reverence to that, if you're able, would you stand as I read it? 119, 103 says this. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This is the word of the Lord. You can have a seat. Hey, thanks, Josh. Um, To introduce myself again, yes, my name is Benjur, one of the pastors here at Flourishing Grace. I serve as the executive pastor, and uh, Josh is right. I love some blacksmith ice cream. Uh, It's one of the best places around. However, I made some um, homemade gingerbread cookie butter ice cream over break, and and that rivals about anything at blacksmith. And Mario, the owner, I'd say that to his face. So I, I have a problem. I'm over there quite a bit. Um, I am, I'm glad to be starting this series in this new year um, with you today. Um, we, are, we are starting this, this new year with this series, Pursuing Jesus, uh, because this is, this is the most important thing there is, to pursue Jesus. This is, this is who we are at Flourishing Grace. Um, at Flourishing Grace, we want to be a church that leads people into flourishing relationships with Jesus, and we want to pursue Jesus. And so we're going to be talking about those five pursuits, but before we even like dive into the series, I want to make sure we know what we mean by pursuing Jesus. I mean, what does it mean to pursue anything? Um, you may not realize this, but, but you and I have something in common. All of us uh, pursue something every single day above other things. Now, you may not be able to name it, but, but the, the way that we act, the choices that we make, um, the way that we manage the things that we have control, uh, the way that we respond to other people, the way that we respond when things are going well, the way that we respond when things are not going well, all of those things we do because we are pursuing something. Now, some of us have named that thing. Like, we are aware of what that thing is, um, and and we know what it is. Some of us don't even realize it, but we all have that thing. Uh, It might be, like, financial security for you. Uh, Maybe you've named that, maybe not. Maybe you're like, yeah, I want to retire by this age. Uh, I want to be financially secure. Maybe you grew up in a way that that things were, were not always steady, and so you're like, man, I want things to be steady for my family. I want things to be steady for my kids. And so you have ordered your life to pursue that thing above all other things. Or maybe it's relationships. 
Uh, maybe, maybe there's safety in that with you and you want to be with somebody or you want to keep that someone or you want to be married to someone or, or uh, the relationships with your family or your kids. You want your family to look a certain way. Maybe it's the approval of others that, 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 um, that, is, that is your pursuit above all other things. So in any situation, um, you are always angling things so that, that others will see you in a positive light. Um, it, it might be safety. Jennifer and I have worked with and welcomed many kids into our home over the years who have not felt safe. And so their primary pursuit has been safety. And, and so they are the most compliant, polite children when you meet them ever because the only pursuit they have in mind is safety. And maybe even as adults, that's you. That, that's how you organize your work life. That's how you organize your family life. You're just you're not making waves. You're pursuing being safe with those around you. The thing that we know is that when we have multiple pursuits, and we all have multiple pursuits, when the things that we are in pursuit of, um, when, when the things that are in, in conflict with our top pursuit, it's our top pursuit who wins out. And sometimes we get to a place in life where we, we have all these pursuits, but they become in conflict with each other. And the way you know what your top pursuit is, is, is the thing that always wins out. Now, the case that I'm going to be making uh, today and the case that we're going to make as a church over the next five weeks is this. Our greatest pursuit should be Jesus. And and again, I I want to be clear about this, okay? I want to be clear about this because some of us uh, may have grown up in a place or grown up in a religious setting where uh, we, we pursue Jesus or we pursue God because if we don't, if we don't do the right things, if we don't behave enough, then he's not going to pursue us. And that is not the case at all. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop for a moment and I'm going to share something that is the most important thing I'm going to share today. Uh, which for, you might be thinking through this and think, man, that's bad news because if we're in the introduction to the sermon and this is the most important thing all day, like it's all downhill from there. And yeah, I'm sorry. So you can tune out after this. If you don't listen to anything else, that's fine. But I want you to listen to this and this is what I want you to know. We can only pursue Jesus because he pursued us first. We can only pursue Jesus because he pursued us first. And listen, just be honest. People like me who stand on a stage like this and have a microphone on in a setting like this, we we get this wrong all the time. We can get this mixed up and, and maybe you have experienced this. Too many times we believe that it is us that has to go to God, that it is us that has to make the way, that it is us that has to at least go part way and then maybe God will respond to us. But friends, that is not who God is and I want you to hear that clearly today. We are not the ones who have to make the way. It is God who has to make the way through Jesus. Friends, we just got done celebrating just the most miraculous event we can imagine. God became flesh, was born a baby, and dwelt among us because he loves you and he would die for you. We celebrated that during communion today. Isaiah um, puts it this way. uh, Many times during Christmas, we didn't read it this time, but but many times during Christmas, um, uh, we, we read this verse. This is a common one. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Not us with God, not us going to God, but God came and pursued us. We can pursue Jesus only because he pursued us first, right? Our sin had marred the image of God in us. 
Our God, had, our, our God had seen what is happening with us, and he reached down and he rescued us. Rescued us. We, had, we had broken the image of God. Our sin had broken the image of God, and Jesus rescued us. Paul puts it this way in his letter to the Romans, Romans chapter 5, verse 6. It'll be up here on the screen. Um, says this, For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Friends, Jesus pursued you first. And so over the next five weeks, as we discuss what this means, know that Jesus pursued you first. This is not, okay, let's do these things and then maybe God will like me more. This is not, okay, let me do these things, and then then maybe God will have to love me. No, Jesus pursued you first. But in this relationship, he invites us to be all in. And that is what it means to pursue Jesus. We're not earning anything. Uh, We we, we are simply responding to the fact that Jesus pursued us first. And I want to make sure that that is clear. And listen, you may be here, and you may not be a follower of Jesus, we're glad you're here. This is a great place to ask questions. This is safe. You may, be, you may be up here and you may disagree with everything I have to say today. And that's fine. I'm glad you're here. But I want you to know that you being here is no accident. You finding this online, tuning in, is no accident. Having a friend who finally bugged you enough to come to church and you came one time so that, that you get them off your back is no accident because Jesus is pursuing you because he loves you. Not so he can get back at you. Not so that he can finally put you in your place, but because he loves you. And friends, that is, that is why we can also pursue Jesus. So here's how the next five weeks are going to go. Um, there are five pursuits, five pursuits that, that we have identified as a church as we read through scripture um, that, that help us pursue Jesus. And these are five things that, again, that we, we're not earning anything, but we're going to be walking through them because they are five ways to, to kind of frame our lives, to frame who we are, to frame our time, and, and to kind of have this grid that we can, we can look at life through and say, man, if we pursue these things, we, we are pursuing Jesus. That They're actually gifts that Jesus has given us that help us pursue him. And that's what we're going to be talking about in the next five weeks. If you're new, um, this will all be new to you. This is, this is who we are at Flourishing Grace. This is a great time to jump in. If you're like, man, I wonder what this church is about. This is week one. Stay with us for the next five weeks, and you will know what Flourishing Grace is all about. If you've been around a while, this will be a little bit of a refresher. Last spring, we walked through like 15 weeks of this, three weeks per pursuit. And and so this will be a little bit of a refresher. But we all need this because all of us uh, in the new year kind of need this reframing of what it means and and what our our most important pursuits could be. So today, we are going to dive into what it looks like to pursue Jesus through his word. And I want to point something out, um, that as we walk through the text today, okay, um, as, as we walk through the text today and, and look at what this is, um, uh, we are going to be looking at this in, through a certain lens, right? Last spring when Pastor Josh, our pastor of preaching and vision, um, walked through kind of this sermon series, he looked at a uh, letter from Paul to Timothy, uh, a couple of verses from there that are probably well recognizable to you if uh, you've been in church at all, and it says this, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. 
I just want to say, you may be here and you may not believe that about this. That's okay. Um, and, and that's not where I was when I became a follower of Jesus. I didn't start following Jesus until I was 19 years old. Uh, I'm a skeptic, and so if you're a skeptic, you're in good company. I didn't want to be hoodwinked, uh, and it took me a while to understand, what is this word, and can I really trust it? I just want you to know that today we aren't going to be able to deal with those questions just because of time, but if that is you, if you've got those questions and, and you want some of those questions answered or just a place to air that, that's great. Find me afterwards, and I'd love to set something up, and we can sit down and chat about it. Um, but this is my understanding of Scripture, and this is our understanding of Scripture as a church, that this is the Word of God. Now, this is our big idea for today. This is where we're going to be going. We pursue Jesus through His Word. And to, be, to unpack this idea, we're going to be in that section of Psalm 119. And uh, if Josh confused you, I'm sorry. It's 119. Okay, he had a few too much donuts this day. That's fine. 119. Um, and uh, we are going to be just looking at three simple things, one thing for each verse. So let's dive in. Um, first of all, first thing we're going to look at is that the word helps us treasure Jesus. The word helps us treasure Jesus. Um, there was a song that came out in the late 90s, and, and I don't want to rain on anybody's parade, and maybe it's because I didn't grow up in church that I think this, um, but, but there, there was a lot of bad Christian music in the 90s. In fact, there's, there's a lot of bad Christian music anyways. And there was this song, and I like the band. I like the band. I like this album. I'm not even going to mention it. But this song began with this line, basic instructions before leaving earth. Which, if it's an acronym, if you spell out the, first, if you spell out the word that's, that's made by the first letter of that, basic instructions before leaving earth, what does that spell? Bible, right? B-I-B-L-E. Some of you are just like, man, that blew. Okay? So this is the beginning of that song. And listen, that is a good thing. This is an instructional book. Don't get me wrong. This is something that we should look at and that we should listen to. However, what that doesn't mean is, is we shouldn't necessarily look at this the same way that I look at YouTube. Okay, let me explain this. Um, I know nothing about my house. Right? I live in an HOA on purpose. I didn't shovel. To, I shoveled a little bit here today, but I didn't shovel today. I'm going to go home. I'm not going to have to shovel. I don't mow my own lawn. I, I, don't, I don't fix the things that are outside. Some of the things inside my, my house I have to fix. I don't know anything about my house until something breaks, right? And so when something breaks, do you know where my first stop is? Some of you guys know this, right? YouTube. How am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to replace this three-way switch? How am I supposed to do that? And, and so I go to YouTube, and, and I find what I need, and I don't even watch the whole video. You know how YouTube just, like, when you search, it tells you, oh, this is, the, like, the five-minute snippet that you need. There's, like, this great 20-minute explanation by, by this guy or by this woman who, who, who knows everything about their house, and this is how it works. And I'm like, no, I don't really care how electricity works. I just want to not die and have my light work, okay? So give me the five-minute snippet for how the wires go, I'm going to swap it out, and I'm going to put it back in. That's how some of us treat this right here, right? It just sits, sits over here, and it's like things are going along, and finally there's a bump, and, and I, don't, I don't care about the whole thing. Just somebody like, I just need, I just need something, and, and, and maybe it gets us through it, and that's great, and then boom, it goes back on the shelf. We don't really care. That's not how we're supposed to approach this. This is what the psalmist says about the word. Verse 103, how sweet... Are your words to my taste, sweeter than a honey to my mouth? Man, that is good. How sweet are, my word, are your words to my taste? This is how the psalmist feels about God's word. 
Now listen, um, many of you know my wife Jennifer. Uh, if, you, if you don't, let me just tell you this, I married up. Um, she is awesome, and throughout the years she has written some cards and some letters to me that I have kept encouragement, maybe some cards um, uh, you know, around anniversary time, and um, I keep them because they're amazing. And again, I married up, and so like the words are great. Like she's really, really smart. Uh, you know, when I was in seminary, we both went to seminary together. She was a better student, so I had her proof my papers. Um, she's really good, and so the content of those letters the content of those cards are really, really good. But it's not the content that makes me hold on to those cards. It's not the content necessary. They're good, but that's not why they're sweet to my mouth. I hold on to those cards because of the source. I hold on to those cards because of who Jennifer is and what she means to me. I hold on to those cards because of who she is in my life. Now, the content is good. They're true. They're beautiful. But what they do is they point to the source of those words. And I treasure the source of those words. When I treasure those words, I treasure the source. And friends, this is how we should look at the Bible. This is how we should look at Scripture. Throughout the years, I've talked with people who've become frustrated with the Bible. Like they're followers of Jesus and they're frustrated with it because something happens in life and, and they look through it and they're like, man, there just doesn't have any answers for what I'm dealing with today. And, and listen, I get that. I have been there. I have dealt with things in life. I have faced things where I'm like, I, there's, I don't know what to do and I don't, I don't know what's here. Listen, I get that. But if the only reason we pull this off the shelf is because we need a quick YouTube video for how to fix something, Man, we're missing the best parts. We're missing the best parts. We're missing the source. These words are meant to point to the source of these words. We treasure these words. They are sweet to our mouth because the source is sweet. We treasure these words because we treasure the source. To really treasure and to pursue the word is to do so out of the desire to pursue Jesus. And listen, yeah, let me be clear. When we are facing an issue... When your world blows up tomorrow, when, when sorrow enters your world or, or, or there's a conflict and you don't know what to do, yeah, this is the first place you should go. But our goal should be every day to open this word and to treasure it so that we can treasure Jesus. Um, friends, if, if you want intimacy with Jesus, let me be very clear. If you want intimacy with Jesus, if you want a, a richer prayer life, if you want this relate, if you see other people and you're like, man, they just, they just seem to love God. They just have this beautiful relationship with Jesus. And you are not in this. I'm not going to say it's impossible, but it is very, very difficult for you to treasure Jesus if you don't treasure his word. It's very, very difficult for you to treasure Jesus if you don't treasure his word. Um, I had a, a wonderful mentor when I was in college. I was a, a new follower of Jesus, and I was reading through the Bible, and as many new followers of Jesus do, maybe you've been in the same boat, we stumble upon this, upon this crazy book at the end called the Book of Revelation. And it is, it is nuts. Listen, I've been to theological school. I've been doing this for 20 years. It's okay for me to say it. It is nuts. All right? It is hard. There's like, what am I reading here? And so I go to my mentor who, uh, you know, he was a lay leader. Like he wasn't a pastor or anything, but he knew more about the Bible than, I, than, than anybody I knew. Like he was incredible. He had all these books. He led our Bible study. Like any question, he was the Bible answer man. Like he, he, he was the guy you wanted to go to. And I said, Rick, like how do I read Revelation? Like what, what is going on there? And Rick did not 
point me to any of the books on his shelf. He could have, and there's a day for that. He didn't sit down and say, Benjamin, let me tell you everything I know about the book of Revelation. He today knows more about the book of Revelation than I, I will ever forget. Like, brilliant. He could have done that. There's a place for that. I love that. Now, what he did has burned into my mind and into my heart. He said, Benjamin, this is how you do it. Anytime you sit down with something that's difficult, book of Revelation, anything else in Scripture, you simply open it, and before you read, you say, God, would you reveal your son to me? Friend, the, these, these pages are a gateway to intimacy with Jesus. Our prayer every day should be to open these pages and say, Jesus, show me more of yourself. If in this year, in 2024, you desire more intimacy with Jesus, this is a great place to start. This is a great place to start. We don't listen to God just because of the content. Yes, if your world blows up tomorrow, this is a place to go. Yes, if, if you're trying to figure stuff out, this is a place to go, right? But that's not the only reason. We are in here every day, whether we need an answer or not. Not because we treasure the right answer, but because we treasure Jesus. When we lean on God's every word, we are declaring what tastes good to our souls, and we are learning, we are learning how to treasure Jesus. Second thing that we're going to talk about today is that the Word teaches us to love what is good. The Word teaches us to love what is good. Psalm 119 verse 104 says this, Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Uh, listen, I want to point something out. Um, the psalmist doesn't say through your precepts, and a precept is just like a rule for living, like a guide for living, a rule handed down said, this is the, what you should do. This is the way you should do it. This is what you should do. This is, this is what you need to do. Through your precepts, he doesn't say your precepts help me be a good person. He doesn't say your precepts help me be better than somebody else. No, he says your precepts, through your precepts, I get or I gain understanding. And this is a little bit different. Because this might be new to some of you. Some of you believe, or were raised to believe, or this is just kind of your view, and nobody's ever put words to it, that God wrote these things down, the things that he wants us to do in this book, to ruin your fun. Or, or to kind of have something here so that he's kind of watching you and like, just okay, you're having some fun, and going down the list, and zzz, oh, right there, stop, 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 right here. Now, yeah, God has boundaries. Yes, God is the God of the universe, and he is completely holy, and we should obey him. But God's rules aren't just so that you'll toe the line and you'll stay in that place and not bother him. God's instruction, God's precepts, they're instructional. In fact, the word for the law, the Hebrew word for the law, Torah, if you've ever heard that, kind of the first five books of the Bible, another word for the word Torah, it's not just law, but it's instruction. It's not meant just to put up walls so you go no further. It's meant to instruct you in the way that you should go. And if you, ever have, if you have kids or if you ever worked with kids, you understand this, right? You don't hand a two-year-old. like We, all, we don't want our two and our three-year-olds. We want our kids to behave and be nice to people and forgive and to not bite somebody else in class because nobody wants to receive that call from the school, right? We want, we want our kids to behave. But you don't hand your two or three-year-old a list of things and say, okay, I want you to memorize this list of rules and I want you to do them. No, 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 no. You carefully instruct them by setting boundaries and saying, this is the way. No, 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 no. That, that's not something you should do. And, and there's, there's a consequence for that. Or if, you, if you're a good parent and I'm working on this, you praise them when, when something is going right. 
Right? You instruct them. Those boundaries aren't just, hey, man, I'm, I'm tired of your stuff and I want you out of my way. Just stop bothering. No, 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 no. Those boundaries are so that they will grow up and they will be loving, generous, truthful, forgiving. That's why we set up boundaries and that's, that's why God's words exist. Through his precepts, we get understanding. And therefore, I hate every false way. It's not just in knowing this word and knowing what God says. It's in walking in what God tells us to do that we learn what is good. His word teaches us to love what is good. And this is tough. This is tough. But I want to say something. If we are not reading this, if we're not sitting in it, if we're not coming to it and saying, okay, I don't know what to do. God, what, is, what is the right thing to do? Not, not how can it work out well for me, but what, is, what, would, a, uh, what would a kingdom-minded Jesus follower do in this situation? Friends, we're not being instructed. We're not letting the word instruct us. We cannot have intimacy with Jesus if we don't love the things he loves. We can't have intimacy with Jesus if we don't hate the things he hates. We can't have intimacy with Jesus if we don't say, Jesus, I want to know what you love. I want to know what you value. I want to know what is good. And I want to pursue those things. Jesus' word helps us to know what, it, what is good. Now here's how it works. Each day we sit in this word. Each day we sit in this word and we ask this word to transform us. Each day we sit in this word and we say, God, God, would you show me how to do this? And, and, and just like we talked about a few minutes ago, this can't just sit on a shelf and just be like, oh, now I've got a conundrum and, and, and I've got to know what to do. That's not how life really works. You, you, don't, you don't learn how to be a person of character or a person of love or a person of forgiveness just by one day pulling this on the shelf. It's because day by day we read this and we learn and we ask God to instruct us. And so, yes, when the big things come, God, what should I do? That's great. But it's also in the little things. It's also in the, God, I'm a, I'm a father. My kids have been sick. and It's been a long break and all these other things are going on. But, but, but I, need to, I need to figure this out. And this one's going to the ER. No, this is a totally hypothetical situation in my household. This never happens in the household. And God, I haven't slept for days. Would you just, would you just teach me patience? Would you teach me forgiveness? Would you teach me humility? Would you teach me love? We have to open this word and say, God, would you instruct me? And not just so that we'll know what's in here, but so we'll learn to walk in his ways. Last thing to talk about today is the word shows us how to follow Jesus. Um, we talked in the beginning how uh, we have pursuits, and we have one pursuit that trumps all other things. In kind of the same way, we have a grid. All of us have this. We have uh, a grid that we, we kind of filter everything that we see in this world, uh, everything that's coming in, our emotions, everything that's happening around us, our relationships, and, and we, we, we figure out, okay, based on all of that, we take it through that grid, and we decide where to step next, where to go next. How should I respond? How should I walk? What should I do next? How should I talk 
to this person? How should I handle this situation? What decision should I make? And, and many of us don't realize we have this thing, this, this kind of worldview, but, but the psalmist in Psalm 119, um, he names it, and, and he tells us what it should be. He calls it a lamp. In verse 105, um, he says, The word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, when you're walking somewhere um, and, and you have need of a flashlight because you don't want to trip over something or you don't want to walk the wrong way or, or you don't want to stub your toe, what is true about your surroundings or your circumstances in that moment? This isn't a trick question. What, what's happening? It's dark, right? It's dark. In ancient Israel, um, they didn't have mag light like LED flashlights, right? They used these lamps that were kind of like, looked like cups and there was a big wick and it was dipped in oil and it, it would kind of soak up that oil and you'd have this lamp. And, and if you were lucky, uh, especially if there was like no moon, you might be able to see a couple of steps in front of you in the dark. And so if you were traveling at night, whether it's around your house or you had to travel at night for some reason along the path, you needed this, like you were hopeless without this lamp. And here's the thing. Here's one thing I know about you. Each of us have a lamp like this in our lives. Each of us have a lamp that we use to say, okay, what is my next step? Where should I go next? What should I do? You have something that tells you how to walk. Now, there's different models of these lamps, right? Uh, there's the, the most important thing is to be happy in life model. And if you're using that lamp, then, then what that's showing you on your path is showing you where to step so that you can eliminate all suffering. And, and if it's not going to bring you happiness or contentness, you don't want to go there. It doesn't matter what it means for those around you. It's just, it's just that, man, I, I just got to be happy, and that's what I'm going to do. Uh, it, it might be the there's no meaning in life. I'm just here for a good time, not a long time lamp, right? And you're just like, man, nothing else matters. And I, I'm just going to try to figure that out. Maybe it's the if I could just be good enough, then God has to love me model. Where, where you believe that you have to perform a certain way for God to accept you or God to love you. And that is the lamp you use to walk along your path. All of us have this. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And what the psalmist is telling us is that the lamp that we should use is the word, is this word. And, and since we are on the other side of Jesus, this isn't about just finding the right path. This is using this word, which is a gift to help us to follow Jesus along the way. There's a lot of lamps you could use. And if you think about it, there's a lot of lamps you have used throughout your lives. You've used a lot of models of lamps throughout your life. Uh, you've come to something huge in your life, and you're walking along the path, and then all of a sudden, there's a cliff. Or, or you've been walking along the path, and all of a sudden, there's a boulder, right? What, what kind of lamp did you use when you came across this obstacle? Maybe it was a conflict at work. Did you pull out the, I've got to protect myself at all costs, and my job at all costs lamp? And so you, you, you kind of angled yourself, and you tried to manage the outcomes, and you knew this person over here, she was against you, so you tried to get other people against her, and, and, and then you just got to protect yourself and hunker down. Did you, did you use that lamp? Or did you use this word as your lamp? Did you let the word be your lamp and let it shine on your path? But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons and daughters of your Father who is in heaven. Or maybe something scared you. Maybe you're scared. You've received some news. Maybe your marriage isn't doing well. Maybe you're not sure your kids are okay. The future is unknown. You could pull out the, I've just got to numb myself and forget everything lamp. You could pull out the, I'm just going to take it out on those around me lamp. Or 
You could let the word be your lamp. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Friends, here's what we know about God. He loves you, and his path leads to what is good. What is often difficult for us to understand or accept is that the path that leads us to what is good often travels along very, very difficult places. It is not easy. God desires to lead you to what is good, and he has given you this lamp to lead you there. His word teaches us how to follow Jesus. Tim Keller, uh, an amazing pastor who passed away last year in New York, puts it this way. He says this, there are the good things of this world, there are the hard things of this world, and then there are the best things of this world. world. And those things are God's love, glory, holiness, and beauty. The Bible's teaching is that the road to the best things is not through the good things, but usually through the hard things. There is no message more contrary to the way the world understands life or more subversive to its values. Friends, this year, if you want to pursue Jesus, it will not be easy. In fact, I can almost guarantee you, if you desire, man, I'm going to pursue Jesus, and you set yourself to it, and you say, I want to respond to what Jesus has done for me, there will be obstacles. There will be pain. There will be sorrow. The path to Jesus is not often the easy way. It is the hard way. And Jesus has given us this word as a lamp. And maybe, maybe right now we're entering 2024 and your path is full of sorrow. Like, like you, you got through the Christmas season and you had the nice face on because you wanted things to be good for the kids and you had family in town and, and you, had the, you had the smile. Uh, but, but Christmas is gone and here's the new year and, and, and there is nothing but pain and sorrow. And you don't know what you're going to do. Friends, what I do know is that God is leading you to something good, to himself, to himself. And his word will light that way if we use it as a lamp. And this is true in the big things and the little things. It's day by day letting this word be your lamp. And here's the truth you need to know. If you're not using this word in the day-to-day things, friends, it will be extremely difficult to just pull it off the shelf when you're, you're traveling along and suddenly and there's a cliff and you've got to know which way to go. Or this is boulder and you've got to know how to get around it or, or how to get over it. That's just not how it works. Now, it may be a crisis. It may be a crisis. You might be going through it right now that has finally made you realize, and this, this is something I need to surrender to. This is something I need to submit to. This is a good gift and I'm going to begin. Friends, that is, that is often the way it goes. That is often the way it goes. But we can't just go from crisis to crisis and say, okay, yep, I guess I, I need a lamp now, and I'm good. No, I need a lamp now. That's just not how it works. You can't say, okay, for these day-to-day things, I'm going to use this lamp. But when things really get sticky or when I really need something, I'm going to pull this off the shelf. That's just not how it works. You can't say, okay, every day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the my worth is defined by who I'm dating lamp or who I'm married to lamp. But when I encounter something big, I'm going to pull God's word off the shelf. No. Friends, you need to decide now, today, from here on out, that God's word is going to be a lamp unto your feet and a light to your path. So, what do we do? Um, uh, This is difficult because all I can tell you is to start, which is, on both sides of the coin, it's good advice and it's bad advice. 
It's good advice because it's true. You just got to start. That's where we all start. But, but, but it might be difficult advice because it's overwhelming. Like, start, what does, that, what does that mean? So let me give you a couple of next steps as a starting point. Two starting points today I want you to take seriously. First of all, on your seats, there is a white card. It's a Bible reading plan. Um, we have designed, designed some Bible reading, uh, a Bible reading plan with some cards, and this is a tear-off card that you can keep in your Bible. Uh, you get the first two months there, and we'll, we'll roll them out as the year goes on. Uh, if you've never been in your Bible, if you've never, like, read this every day, and you need some accountability or at least a plan to get started, just do this. Friends, let me tell you this. 19, when I was 19, 24 years ago, I was skeptical of this book. And somebody challenged me to read it, and I did, and it changed my life. If you're here and you're skeptical, you're not sure who Jesus is, and you're not sure, that's great. Do me a favor, just, just give me a couple of weeks. Take that reading plan, do the first 14 days, and see what happens. See what happens. Um, friends, we, we, we cannot really do anything of value without a plan. And so if you want to pursue intimacy with Jesus, if you want to pursue Jesus by pursuing his word, that is a place to start. Just start. And maybe you're where I was um, uh, when I was 19 years old. I, I didn't know much about the Bible. I didn't know uh, really what to do. I mean, this is no joke. I walked into a Bible study once before I became a follower of Jesus, and the leader says, okay, let's turn to John. And I was like, who's John? It's not a joke. That really happened. Maybe that's you. Friends, we've got an incredible Bible course that's explained on those cards, but you can go to flourishinggrace.org slash word. And, and there's, a, there's a course that's got about two hours of video. Uh, it is a great place to say, okay, what is the Bible? Uh, there's different books. Are they different kind? Like, who's it written by? Like, how does this work? It's, it's God-breathed, but, the, but there's a big deal about the human authors. Seems something that's like, what's the Old Testament? What's the New Testament? What's the Testament anyways? Like, is Charlton Heston here? Like, what is all this stuff? If those are the questions you have, that is a great place to start. And listen, even if even if you've been around here for like 30 years and been reading the Bible, that's still a good thing to do. Listen, I, I went to theological school and I was looking through this stuff and, and, and I was like, oh man, this is a good refresher for me. This is, this is a good place if you're like, I want to know a little bit more about this Bible and I, I want to learn how to read it. But yeah, the, the, the thing we need to do is just start. And here's my prayer for today, Flourishing Grace, for us in this new year is that we would pursue intimacy with Jesus by pursuing his word we would say Jesus is the pursuit above all other things in my life. And I've got a lot of competing pursuits, and so I need, I need the word as a lamp to show me where to walk. I need the, the word to tell me just what to do, that I, I would learn to walk in God's ways, that I would learn what is good and to stay away from what is false. And I, I need to learn how to treasure Jesus, that we would be a people that, 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 that treasures this word, not, not for itself, not so that we can know more than anybody else or, or, or feel good about ourselves, but so that we would encounter Jesus. And friends, you open these pages, and you prayerfully spend time in here, I promise you, you will encounter Jesus. That is a gift. Don't miss out on that. Don't miss out on that. As we close, uh, I'm going to have some friends who, who come forward. We, we finish every gathering um, with a, a time for us to be able to uh, just bring before God uh, some of our needs and to have people listen to what's going on in our lives and to pray with us and for us. And so maybe maybe God has brought something up today uh, and, 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 and you're like, I don't know what to do with that. Somebody be happy to pray with you. Maybe, maybe you're one of the people that is skeptical in here. And you're like, I just, I just don't know about this Jesus. I, I kind of want to figure this out, but I don't know where to go. People would love to pray with you about that. Or maybe it's just a difficult New Year. Maybe 2023 was hard and 2024 is not looking out to be any better. And you need somebody to love you 
talk with you through that and pray for you. My friends are going to be up here and they would love to receive you and we're going to have a period of that. So let me pray, invite my friends forward and then we're going to sing one more song. God, what a gift. What a gift that Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. That he was God with us. That we did not have to go to you. That you came to us. And what's more, God, that through your word, you have given us this gift, this treasure, lead us to treasure Jesus. Father, would we not spurn that gift? Would we, would we take it, uh, even though we don't understand it, even though we don't completely comprehend it, even though some days it's hard, even some days we forget, and some days we just don't feel like it. God, would you give us the courage to sit in it every day and ask that you would reveal your son Jesus to us through those pages, God. Father, we are grateful. We are grateful that you have come to us, that you have given us your word, that you have pursued us on every level. God, may we, may we stand and sing in response to that. God, we, we love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Let all the people sing.